John chapter 19, verses 28 to 29. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of wine on the branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. This is the word of God for the people of God. I thirst. Quite frankly, right now, I'm thirsty. And to be honest, every time I preach, I get thirstier and thirstier and thirstier. One week, I went through seven bottles of water in one worship service. No joke. And this is number three. I thirst are the words that we hear from Jesus Christ today from the cross. And as we have gathered over the past couple of weeks, we have been standing, been kneeling, we have been clinging to every word that Jesus has spoke as he spoke his last. We heard words of forgiveness. We heard words of despair and desolation. We heard words of hope. We heard words of promise. We heard words of relationship and inclusion. And today we hear words of humanity, words of fulfillment, words of a continuous longing. I thirst. Will you pray with me? God, we come this day to be your people, to have your Holy Spirit poured out upon us, to be glimpses and graces of your kingdom at work in this world, in this community, and in this church. God, we pray that we can push away all it is that we desire to focus on what you desire, what you long for, what you thirst for. So God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together Be pleasing and accepting in your sight. God, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I got to ask you, have you ever been thirsty? No, no, no. I'm talking about like really, really thirsty, right? Like with your cracked lips and the parchedness where you can't even muster enough saliva or moisture in your mouth to even spit. Have you been that thirsty before? Don't worry, I'm not going to spit, you know, but, but here's the thing. The only thing you can think of in those moments is, is that desire, is that longing to have your thirst quenched. This is a deeply human experience. It's our body's ways of letting us know that we are not having enough, that we don't have enough in ourselves of the most essential part of ourselves. Our body as you may know, is made up of 60% water, as some scientists say. Some scientists say more. But this is the way of letting us know that we are not at our particular caliber of being thirsty, of being quenched, of having that. When we're thirsty, we're already down roughly 35 ounces, which is nearly a quart. Thirst is about a longing, about a desire, about a craving, about having an unmet need, and it's sometimes even desperate. As a people, we thirst for and we crave companionship most of all. Some hunger and thirst for relationship and righteousness. Others crave in an overwhelming way that it could be contributed to that of an addiction. Trying to quench the thirst of a parched soul with a glass of salt water. 
Here in the Gospel of Luke, we hear Jesus utter and his desire and his longing, his unmet need. He says, I thirst. This is the one who is hanging on the cross, the one who is the Christ, the one who is the fountain of living water. And here's the one who calls for anyone who is thirsty to come to me and drink. And yet the one who is thirsty is thirsty himself, dying, thirsty on the cross. As Pastor Emily shared last week, John's gospel, where we're at today, is more focused on the divinity of Christ more than any other gospel. John illuminates Jesus' divine nature with the inclusion of signs and, and wonders and miracles, and all while connecting God's saving grace, God's gift of humanity, by being brought forth by the one who took on flesh and dwelt among us. From the very beginning of John's gospel, Jesus is portrayed, Jesus' ministry is portrayed as one that is filled with great love and great concern, great compassion towards those who are suffering, those who he's working miracles for, to care and to feed and to heal, to give a glimpse into what the kingdom of God is really all about, what it looks like. The fullness of Jesus' humanity and divinity is encompassed in one through his mission and ministry. It's the nourishment that Christ brings as the bread of life, the bread of heaven, and the true vine. It's the guidance that Christ shows as the good shepherd, and the way, and the truth, and the life, and the gate. It is the life and light that Christ brings as a gift for all of creation. And here it is, nailed to the cross. The Christ. The living water. The one who had come to fulfill all of the scriptures. Now lived. Nailed. To the cross. Living water now diminished and dried up like nothing more than a dried up parched string stream. Here is the one who before turned water into wine at a wedding at Cana and not just any wine, friends, the best wine. And here he is thirsting, being offered the worst wine. Here's the one who just passed around a cup with his closest friends and followers And now he is pouring out himself as a gift for all. When Jesus talks about and declares his thirst, he's proclaiming from the depth of his humanity that he has chosen to identify and suffer with those who suffer, with those who bear burdens, with those who have come to live and to die. God chose to live and to suffer and to die with us and for us. The Apostle Paul writes this to the church in Philippi. Jesus emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and he humbled himself, humbled himself and chose to die, became obedient even to the point of death, death on a cross. Jesus is both literally, get ready for this, literally in his humanity and in his divinity, Christ is thirsty. It's not just for a a cup of water or a bottle of water, which by the way, I'm thirsty again. Jesus longed for more than just that. He craved for the kingdom of God to be here on earth as it is in heaven. It's not a new craving for Jesus. He's been thirsty his entire life. If you remember back to Jesus' first sermon in the synagogue in, in Galilee, in Nazareth, he stood up and he read words from Isaiah. He read this, bringing good news to the poor. I thirst for that. Bringing good news to the poor, proclaiming release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to let the oppressed go free. 
and to proclaim that the time had come now for the Lord's favor. As time had passed, you would think that Jesus would have his thirst quenched, but it only got deeper. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, where he proclaimed his thirst for blessing those who are poor, blessing those who are hungry, those who are persecuted, those who are weeping, those who are hated. Jesus is thirsty, friends, for the kingdom of God to be realized on earth, here on earth as it is in heaven. In declaring his thirst, Jesus is giving one final reminder, one final plea from the cross that what his mission and his ministry is all about. He was giving us one last word, one last way to recognize that in our own humanity, we need a savior. Amen? Jesus was helping us to recognize that we are all truly thirsty. Through the cross of Christ, friends, he showed us that entering into healing and entering into bearing and entering into suffering, a time of suffering and bearing with one another, with those who suffer, with those who die, can also provide healing. This is where we miss the mark in the place that we tend to ignore, that we tend to not want to believe that there is actual true healing. We feel like when we enter into a time of bearing and into a time of suffering with one another, that it doesn't really make a difference. It doesn't really do anything. We can't do anything to help it. We can't do anything to fix it. We can't do anything to make it go away. But in times of being present and entering into someone's suffering, Someone else's pain, healing takes place. We are there for one another. We're able to bear one another's burdens, one another's crosses, and we're able to quench one another's thirst. About a decade or so ago, I was attending a first time for me, a first time spiritual retreat at a Catholic spiritual center. And here in the chapel, as you entered into the chapel, there in the back of the room was all of these relics. And it was the weekend that Mother Teresa was canonized when she was made a saint in the Catholic church. And in there were all these relics, rings worn by popes and some pretty gruesome things, but also some articles of clothing that dated back to the 1100s. And there, because of St. Teresa's canonization, was one of her favorite crucifixes, with Jesus still on the cross. And next to the cross, it said, I thirst. After reading the description on the plaque underneath it, I read it again and again and again. It said, I thirst. And it gave a little inscription from Mother, now St. Teresa, who said this, This is our call to quench the thirst of Jesus with love, with compassion, with, with saying that we are there for one another, with kindness, with love, with justice, with grace. Saying, I thirst. Jesus saying, I thirst, is more about just longing for water. It's about longing for us. It's a reminder that God longs for you even when you don't long for God. That's good news, amen? God longs for you even when you don't long for God. Saying, I thirst, is Jesus saying something much deeper than I love you. It's a reminder that God longs for you. It's about knowing that deep inside your well, the well of you, that Jesus thirsts for you. 
And as we grow in quenching that thirst, we grow in quenching the thirst of our neighbors, our brothers and our sisters, those people that God brings across our path, those people that we are called to be in ministry with, those people that we are called to love, that we are called to show grace to, even when we don't want to. God gives us love even when we don't deserve it. My friends, there is healing that comes through entering in to one another's burdens, one another's times of suffering. And we find redemption. Those burdens and those sufferings are not going to go away. They might not even get any better. But here's the thing, it makes it more tolerable. It doesn't make it lighter or lessen. Healing comes through stepping in the muck and the mire of each other's lives and bearing that together. That's what it means to be church. That's what it means to journey through it all together, journey through life together. That's what it means when Jesus commanded us to take up our own cross. It's not about an escape, that the cross of Christ is taking away all of the pain, all of the suffering, all of the, the, the sin of the world. It's so that our sin, our suffering, our death can be taken away and it can be redeemed by Christ. The promise of Christ, friends, is that as we go through the suffering and as we go through the death, our own death, that there is something greater that is to come. That there is new life, that there is eternal life, that there is resurrection life that is to come. Amen? As the days of Jesus' earthly ministry were coming to a close, he stood out in the middle of Galilee, and it was during the Feast of Tabernacles. And it was a time for the, the Israelites, the Jews, to be reminded that they need to be reconciled with God. And during the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stood there in the middle of Galilee, and he said this, If anyone thirsts, let them come to me and drink. Rivers of living water will brim and spill out to the depths of anyone who believes in me this way, just as a scripture. He's quoting this. The one who thirsts for us is the one who offers to quench the world's thirst. Those who thirst are satisfied by Christ's gift and it's offered to one another. And then we become streams of living water for one another. In our baptism, we find our call to be in relationship with one another. Offering love and offering grace and offering forgiveness, offering water to quench someone else's thirst. As Jesus thirsted and suffered with all and for all of humanity, so too are we as the body of Christ to do as Christ commanded of us for the healing of all of the world. We'll get to there. And we're there now. At the foot of the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem, near the Garden of Gethsemane is a church, the Church of All Nations. The location where Jesus had prayed, the location that Jesus had been arrested and Jesus had been crucified. And he prayed, Father, if possible, let this cup be removed from me. But not my will be done, your will. Looking out into the distance to the west, across the Kidron Valley is the Golden Gate, the place of the temple where Jesus would soon go through on his way to the cross. And atop of the church of all nations, there are two bronze deer that are looking up toward a cross. And inscribed nearby are the words of Psalm 42, as the deer longs for streams of water, my soul, O God, my soul 
longs after you. It's not the, just the church of one nation, but it is the church of all nations. And we are unified together as our soul longs for God. And together we come unified, to be unified in the will of God, not to be focused on our own wants and our own wills, our own desires, or even our own thirst, but we come to be God's will, God's wants, God's wills and desires, and to focus on God's thirst. Not what we want, but what God wants. Not our thirst, but Jesus' thirst. That is the kingdom of God in our world. This morning we are going to come to the table of the Lord and may we come hungry. May we come thirsty. May we come ready to take those first tastes of the kingdom of God, the cup of righteousness and the bread of heaven. My friends, whatever you are thirsty for, whatever you are hungry for, whatever you are craving for your parched hearts, may you find it in these gifts. Because Christ is meeting us here, quenching our thirst and satisfying the hungriness in our souls.